Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Understanding the magic of Macy's and the magic of being your whole authentic self. It's Oliver Chen. I'm a research analyst covering retail, new platforms, and luxury goods at Cowan. And today, in honor of the beginning of Pride Month, we'll be talking to Larry Wiesenick, the co-president of Cowan and the executive sponsor of Cowan's Outperformers, Cowan's LGBTQ resource group, and Jeff Jeanette. I view Jeff as one of the most important and inspirational leaders in retail. He's the CEO of Macy's. Gentlemen, we're excited to have you both here. From my perspective, I see the imperative of innovation, performance, and being the best you can be. Better workplaces allow employees to bring their whole authentic selves to work every day, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, age, or other factors. Diversity, inclusion, and equality matter for all industries across the workforce from the board to the C-suite to frontline retail workers. Jeff, as an out CEO, you brought a unique diversity lens to Macy's business strategy. Why does diversity and inclusion matter? How does it fit into your growth strategy? What are you doing with vendors? Well, hi, Oliver. It's great to be with you and Larry, great to meet you. So just kind of the setup on this. So DE and I, it's, it's certainly embedded in our business strategy. And that's part of our social purpose platform. We, we certainly have found that operating as an inclusive culture, that environment inspires and provides you know, equitable ac- access to all players. And we've created our DEI program over the years with our colleagues and really with our customers and community input as well. Uh, and we really look at our role way beyond just buying and selling goods. So to answer your question, I would say the first part, um, I talk about it like community outreach and societal change. So in March of this year, we launched Mission Everyone, which was our purpose-driven platform. And this is one, the big news on this was that we were directing $5 billion of the company's spend, uh, and this would be through the year 2025, to the partners and products and people and programs that really help us create a more equitable and sustainable future. Um, and at the same time, Macy's is investing about 100 million in that same time frame to nonprofit organizations that support the emotional well-being and education of un- underrepresented youth, um, as well as environmental stewardship. Now, when you look at the second part of the question, kind of when you look at the backdrop of the retail landscape, um, you know, we've been on the, the business diversity bus for a long while about how we bring uh, sustainable change for the next generation of Asian and Black and Native American women, veteran, LGBT-owned businesses? And how do we get more of those businesses in both the retail and the non-retail side of, 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 our, of our business? Uh, and we just see a huge opportunity to drive growth with underrepresented suppliers and, and set a higher industry standard and be a catalyst for change. You know, and, and uh, Oliver, you've known us for a number of years, and the workshop at Macy's is one of the underpinnings of that goal. Uh, it's one of the longer-running retail development programs for underrepresented suppliers. Um, we're about to kick off, I think, our 12th year of it, and we've graduated about 200 companies, and just helping them in anything that they need help with. They had to, you know, hone their, their customer strategy, how they get funding. Uh, sometimes we give them funding, you know, what they do to improve their balance sheet. 
uh, we really help focus them to be better uh, suppliers to Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Blue Mercury and then any other company. Uh, the other thing I'd talk about would be what we're doing with trying to showcase up and coming, you know, diverse designers to design multiple collections. And we're doing that through our Icons of Style program. Uh, and that we, we, we gave them scale by really having them design as a drop into our private brands. So you can imagine when you have an Icon of Style diverse, you know, vendor um, designer who is scaling uh, the INC brand across 500 stores as well as our website. Uh, that's given them huge access to new customers. And we're in our second year of that. Uh, and also the last I just end with, you know, when I look at Macy's, we were one of the first brands to sign up for the 15% pledge, which isn't just, uh, you know, something that we got a press release for, but it really has changed the way that uh, we have acted. And we now have five times the amount of black owned brands that we did before we took the pledge. So they're just, those are some of the things that we're working on. Congrats on all that progress across um, so many buckets. Jeff, what about your own workforce as you think about leadership internally and the future of talent? Um, how is diversity and inclusion playing a role there? Yeah, this is a big one. You know, we, we clearly believe that until everybody or every colleague, we have 100,000 colleagues at Macy's, reflect the demographics of the, of the communities that we serve, uh, that we're not going to be maximizing our potential. So when you think about our workforce is, you know, the, the, when you think about the frontline colleague, we really match the communities. But as you get closer up to senior leaders is when it starts to winnow down. And we really needed to do something about that. So as part of our Mission Everyone pledge, we're really focused on getting the director level, think about director, senior director, VP and above, getting that entire population to 30% diverse talent by the year 2025 and putting that marker out there. We've been on this journey now for a number of years. We've come up, we're now in the 27.5% range. We'll definitely hit the 30%. In order to do that, you just can't throw it out as a goal. You actually have to put actions against it. One of the actions that we created was a, was a program called Mosaic. And Mosaic gave, um, it's a year program where we take high, high potential you know, talent that happened to be diverse and, and provide for them a program that brings them equity. So it's not just about diversity and inclusion, it's about bringing them equity for whatever their particular need is. It's almost a bespoke program to get them to a point where they have the confidence and the experience uh, to, to, uh, to continue to be promoted. And, uh, and so we've had a, this is a big opportunity for us to accelerate that talent. One of the things that we do with that is we assign them an executive uh, sponsor as well as an external coach. Uh, and we just kicked off our third class this week, actually. I just I met with them in person. Uh, we have 42 members in this, in this year's class. Um, and what it gives these mosaic opportunities, participants, they can apply their leadership skills and their unique perspective in how they drive strategy and, and business results. You know, we give them the, the permission and the confidence to really fuel their creativity and innovation. And it really helps them build their internal networks. And I really believe that this is the pipeline of future leaders uh, that are going to reflect the full diversity of the customers and, and just help us, you know, stem that mid-career attrition of ethnically diverse talent. Jeff, I'd love to ask you a question, if you don't mind, uh, as an ally myself. I'd love to get your view from your leadership position as to what, what you hope to gain from the many allies within Macy's uh, as it relates to um, all of your endeavors on the various social fronts. Yeah, 
good question, Larry. So, you know, what we want to create at Macy's is, uh, is really an environment where all colleagues can do their best work and, and they can continue to, you know, learn and grow every day. Um, you know, I, I, I learned from Dr. John Gates, and who was one, of, was one of my mentors, who really taught me that when you think about diverse leadership, think about it like a stadium. And, you know, diversity is having them, you know, you know, in the stadium, maybe in the stands, you know, full inclusion and equity is when they're on the playing field participating. So how best to do that? How, how best to ensure that, you know, you've got diverse talent that is really driving, you know, substantive change for your strategy. Part of that is we do that through ERGs and, and really um, allies like yourself, allies like myself have the opportunity to support depending on what, what ERG you're a part of. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, how do you let these, or how do you, allies, I think, help diverse leaders be themselves. You know, for me, as an openly gay man, uh, I know that, that being at Macy's in the, in the beginning of my career, I don't think I'd be where I am today if it hadn't been for, for the allies that I had at Macy's and the support that they, they, they made it possible for me to be, you know, my authentic self. And, uh, and what we try and do that is for all of our diverse talent, for their opportunity to bring their best ideas forward, to do their best work. Uh, and, and that breeds confidence uh, and, and they, they're, they're doing much more of that. So I think supporting colleagues and customers and partners and being their whole selves and really ensuring that you have a diverse range of perspectives and, and innovative approaches, just, just it certainly helps drive success and in, in achieve positive societal change and in, in, with Macy's as an example. Well, thanks for that. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're certainly trying to do many of the same kinds of things that you're doing here at Cowan. And so I take great comfort from knowing that um, we're following in, in your footsteps and uh, appreciate that, that uh, insight. If you don't mind, I'd love to maybe wade into something a little bit more challenging in, in this period that we're in. You know, there is obviously you know, an enduring uh, anti-gay sentiment that's becoming more pervasive. At least it's coming to the fore. It may have already, always been there, but it's coming to the fore with changing legislative environments, et cetera. And as a decision maker in your organization, how do you remain an ally and a voice for the community while also focusing on the business realities that you have to face? You know, I would certainly say that for a long time, you know, much of the corporate world wasn't as supportive, it wasn't a supportive environment for LGBTQ people as colleagues or as customers. And, uh, and I think uh, that thankfully has changed. And what I'd say is that, you know, companies have a responsibility to support their, their employees, however they self-identify. And, and I think at Macy's, you know, we're really clear on what issues we stand for. I think that we had a big decision after Black Lives Matter, and really, it was really after when you think about George Floyd, of what were those issues that we were going to lean in externally, in addition to espousing them as values internally and within the company. Uh, so, you know, that certainly is when we think about LGBTQ, this is a, you know, excuse the pun, but this is an issue that we do live out loud and, you know, we stand for it externally as well as internally. Uh, so when you have things like to your question, like what's going on in Texas and, you know, we're personally, I'm concerned. And I think professionally, you know, I stand with, you know, thousands of colleagues that are concerned by the bills that, that are introduced that single out LGBTQ and specifically that, that also target youth. And so like in the state of Texas, we've urged public officials to abandon such laws. We joined with the HRC to come out against where the state of Texas was classifying medical care for transgendered youth as child abuse. 
so, you know, we saw those bills as harmful to our colleagues and their families. It would make them feel unwelcomed. And, and, you know, and if those laws were to take root, it's just, it's harder for us to recruit talent and, you know, and, and against, you know, our values in those states. I think we just evaluated at the end of the day, there was more risk if we didn't speak out. It's not to say that it's popular with everybody. We certainly, I get a lot of feedback from, from customers and, and certainly from some colleagues that, you know, do you really need to put your nose into this? But I thought, and I think that there's more risk if we don't speak out. And, and these laws, I believe, can create will create a disruptive environment that could harm our business and, and you know, depress consumer sentiment and alienate colleagues and customers. So, um, you know, we're choiceful about where we stand, uh, but when we do stand, we're out loud as we do it. Larry, as a leader at Cowan, what are you doing at Cowan to make sure everyone feels included and safe? So Oliver, I really appreciate you asking that question. I, let's just start with uh, inclusion. Uh, you know, the, We've been on a journey as an organization where, um, as we were a smaller uh, company and we've grown quite quickly over the last five years, we just assumed that people felt as if they were part of the team. But as we've grown, we've had to be more intentional. And about two and a half years ago, we set on a search to hire uh, uh, the first ever head of inclusion and diversity for the organization. In the time since that person joined, which was roughly two years ago, we've rolled out multiple ERGs such that you know, folks who are in communities of underrepresented feel uh, as if there's a place for them to come together, to congregate. And importantly, that allies can feel that there's a group for which they can work with to help make sure that you know, those who are in those uh, underrepresented groups can feel included. So that's been a big step for us, that intentionality. Um, it served us well, I think, over the last two years, as we've been in a period of tumult around a lot of social issues. And when we start thinking about social justice, and, and how many of our folks are feeling, having these ERGs in place and having then a number of um, elements of hung off of that as it relates to communication, vehicles, et cetera, has been an important part of kind of inclusion and the safety that comes from that. Because I think that there's a lot of emotional safety that comes from knowing that you're not alone. Um, in addition, you know, when talking about the world we live in today, we can't ignore physical safety. And so from that standpoint, there's been a lot of effort to make sure that we come back to the office, we have a flexible environment that people know that first and foremost, we have their well-being in mind, but we also want to make sure that their work being is, is, is safe. And so that means flexible work environments, people coming in for you know, certain elements of the week, uh, and that's different by business based on need. So I would say, you know, we think about safety as everything from physical to emotional to giving people the tools to be successful. All right, Larry, that uh, sounded really good. And let me just, uh, I'll frame the question as to kind of how we really want people to feel included and safe uh, at Macy's Inc. I think the first one, uh, first comment I'd make is that we just want to be, we want to make it very clear to all of our colleagues about what we stand for. And that starts with our social purpose. We call that mission everyone and the opportunity to create a brighter future with bold representation to empower more voice, uh, choice and ownership. And that's really for all of our colleagues, customers and communities. So uh, we are, that's, that's out there and, and, and our teams know that. As a, as a kind of some topics on that, that spin from that, you know, one of the things that um, we found through all the societal changes and particularly, you know, during Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, you know, the shooting of Michael Brown, going back six years, 
the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, that engendered so much intense feeling in our colleague population. And frankly, we as executives were, were not responsive. You know, it was kind of crickets. It was like business as usual. And we weren't validating what was going on uh, for so many of our colleagues and how they were feeling about it personally as either allies or as members of those communities. So we created a, a format that we called Can We Talk, which is we, we engage in that every quarter. And we bring together you know, topics that are super important to our colleagues. And they're generally pretty thorny. They generally, you know, there's not, there's not one clear narrative, there's different perspectives on it. And we either speak to it from bringing in you know, our experts or we bring in external experts. We just had one that was last week, two weeks ago, that was with Heather McGee, who is the writer of The Sum of Us. And it was really about you know, racism in America and is it a zero sum game or is there a different way to view it? And that just spun a great deal of, of conversation you know, with our colleagues. Uh, you know, we do it on issues like being, is, is, um, being Islam uh, in America. We did it on you know, there's being Asian in America and just trying to look at different perspectives from many different angles and allowing our colleagues to participate and see themselves in that. That would be one angle of just how we're trying to make Mission Everyone come alive for our colleagues. The other way is how we want people who don't feel necessarily like they have the equity to compete at the highest levels and, and how we make that a, a psychologically safe place for them to swing for the fences and make mistakes, um, but also get big wins and making sure that they're not talking themselves out of big opportunities that can move our business and, and, uh, and you know, delight our customers and shareholder by extension. That really starts with someone like me. And so I have this thing called noble failures in which I go out in front of the population and you know, whatever the group is, I just did it in Orlando for our all, all VP and above meeting that we had last week and talked about you know, my latest noble failure. And what it does is it shows just that, hey, I'm willing to you know, admit when I've made a big mistake and what I learned from it and you know, counter that with where I've had successes. And that at every level of our company of basically you know, sharing this whole idea about noble failures so that you know, all of our colleagues can see their leaders admit when they've made mistakes, when they've been out ahead of their skis, yet when they've, what they've learned from it and, and how that has not you know, changed their perspective that I'm still gonna swing for the fences because my customer's counting on it. So, um, so those would be the, the ways that I would describe the, you know, Oliver, your question. Thank you for that gentlemen, very helpful. So zooming out on the state of the business, agility and flexibility are so important to both organizations. Jeff, how are you driving younger customer engagement? And then Larry, how are you approaching the business given broader market volatility as it relates to Cowan? Okay, new customers. Well, we certainly have talked about that on many earnings calls. Uh, you know, what I'd say is that we've been on this journey of transformation uh, with our Polaris strategy since 2020. And, you know, it's a rich blend of kind of the art and science of retail strategy. Uh, and, and certainly a key pillar of that is what we're doing with data analytics and technology and and what I call our performance-driven operating model. But, but to give you some specifics on that, which is helping us attract a younger customer. One is just, is really getting that, uh, embedding much more data science into every aspect of our operations. It's helping us develop assortments and market them more efficiently to appeal to a younger customer. It's really helping us 
go from kind of broad-based promotion to more personalized messaging in all of the media platforms that the that this customer uh, traffics. Um, you know, it's helping us when I think about developing more online interfaces that's across digital, mobile, and social platforms that engage the younger consumer. Uh, it's helping us really push us on new categories. So one of the things that we announced, uh, I don't know, on the on the third quarter earnings call was what we're doing with Toys R Us. And that for us is, yeah, we have a big opportunity in toys, but more importantly, it gives us a millennial parent on-ramp into the Macy's brand. And it gives us the opportunity to build a second and third purchase in another category, you know, based on them coming in for toys. Uh, and, you know, we saw a, a dearth of, of toy experience in America and we want Macy's to be that. It's also helping us with things that we just, uh, we do with collaborations with diverse designers. We just did one with Maluma, who was a gigantic Latin star. And uh, we did that with Icons of Style, which I mentioned earlier. You know, we, we are, we're trying to attract new customers through our brand, brand platform, which is Own Your Style. And that really takes uh, our fashion from just a full brand lens to a style lens, which mixes brands. That's making us more relevant. It's how we merchandise stores now. It's how we're merchandising our website. That's helping us build relevancy with this customer. I've mentioned Mission Everyone and what we hope to do with that. And I just would conclude by saying that across all three of our nameplates, you know, just continuing to diversify our leadership and merchant teams, you know, to advance our assortments and marketing messages, that's helping us appeal to a younger customer. And, you know, the, these, this leadership is much more precise about ways that we can be more relevant. Oliver, I think as it relates to the environment we're in, we, we go into every year presuming that we're going to find a, a volatile environment. Uh, you know, some years uh, we actually find that the market is more conducive and supportive of what our clients are trying to uh, execute on. And other years it's more challenging. And, and then some years we have both. So go back to 2020, when we were sitting, you know, somewhere on March 15th to April 15th, we literally thought we were looking at, you know, what was going to be an enormous restructuring cycle. And by the time we got to June and July, uh, the market was wide open and, uh, you know, the opportunity to finance and, and be more, you know, more aggressive on, on strategies um, kind of uh, was at a higher level than we would have ever expected. So, so we don't know what the environment's going to look like three months, six months out. What we tell you is we try and be consistent in the way we approach the opportunity set. And this is across the entire organization. So only we can do is be, be close to our clients. That's true for all parts of our organization. And you know, as a firm that's really client-centric, you know, we, we have four pillars of our approach, which is vision, empathy, sustainability, and tenacious teamwork. They all really are, are there to describe how we show up for each other, and then importantly, for our clients. And so I think in difficult environments, I've always felt this, it goes back to uh, you know, my formative stages in the industry, but it really goes back beyond that to, I can remember, um, I won't say which airline, we're not advertising for one, but there was an airline who had an, an advertisement back in the day where, you know, sales were down or, or for some company and the sales force turned to their, their leader and said, what are you supposed to do right now? And he came out and he had tickets for everyone and said, go out and see your clients. You're flying to California, you're flying to Texas, right? Um, and I think that's what we do in a tough environment. What we do is we, we want to be there as the person listening. Um, sometimes we have the answers, but a lot of times it's just listening. It's hearing what is in fact the biggest concern of, of our clients and then being nimble to make sure that we can provide them with insights where we have them and where we don't. 
be bold enough and humble enough to point them to others that can, because the most important thing is that we're authentic and where we can add value, we will. And where we can't, let's make sure we find them places. Because in a, in a difficult environment and volatility, lots of people hide under the desk. And our job is to stand above and, and be there for our clients and, and hold their hands. And so that's what we try and do. Thanks, Larry. As a closing question, can each of you give us two points on how allies can be helpful and the biggest changes you want to make next as it relates to what we've discussed today and any closing remarks? Jeff, I'll have you go first and then Larry. So I think the, the first step uh, to being a great ally is just a commitment to listen with an open mind and, and not react. Um, you know, the art of asking the follow-up question, you know, to, to really plumb for deeper meaning and understand, you know, and listen with your whole body so that you understand body language and how you're reading, you know, who you're listening to. Um, I think the, the second thing I'd say as an ally is, is speak up in your own social circles when you're among the majority, when you're among the majority uh, and you're expressing, you know, a divergent point of view. I have courage to do that. Um, and certainly speak up when a member of the community is placed in a situation where they can't speak up for themselves. Um, I, so I think that would be one is just really listening with an open mind and, and speaking out where appropriate. Um, and the next thing I'd say is just being clear what your company stands for and its values. And, you know, if, if you if all of our colleagues can't recite our values then there's an opportunity for how we communicate them and how we make them live in our strategies, just getting super clear about that. Uh, and, and I think that comes across to, to customers uh, and, you know, ultimately, sh you know, shareholders when we do that right. I think that that comes with not just, you know, you know, the sound bites of your values, but really what are your measurable goals that you're putting against those values that are clear and they're actionable and everybody is measuring it and you, they know where we stand and, and you're clear about where you're making them and where you're not. You know, those would be the two things that I would, I would point to. I think those are great. And I'll, I'll make sure not to say the same ones because um, I very well might have. What I'd say is, I, I think in, because, you know, certainly for me, uh, on a number of fronts, I'm going through my own personal journey and trying to be a better ally. I'd say, you know, don't, no one should be hard on themselves. Start with empathy mm. and then move to action, right? The idea that one's going to be extraordinarily active at first without first going through their own journey, I think really hard to make those expectations, either us of our employees, or for that matter, anyone of themselves. So let me just bring it to life a little bit. I think on the empathy side, showing empathy, letting people know that you're there for them, that you're a good colleague, a good partner, and someone who'll listen to the comment that was raised earlier. In many respects, you're a safe room, you're a safe shoulder, so to speak. I think just doing that has a force multiplier throughout the organization. And so I would say that's the first place to start. And for those who really don't know what to do, that, that's a big step. And I would say that will make uh, you know the entire community better. I think once one feels comfortable with showing empathy, then you move to what I call you know showing up and standing up. You know, I think for each person that that will take its own form, whether it's participating in events with the ERGs as an ally, whether it's um, in your community, um, getting more active and letting people know that, you know, you're not going to stand by as others are made to feel uh, marginalized. You know, there's some things that, that, that I've done that I feel, you know, again, each person has a different platform, but, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about being the executive sponsor of our LGBTQ plus ERG. It's a way for me to demonstrate in my way that I'm taking action and then others can do what, what they wish from that. 
The other thing that we've done, which is a little bit different, and um, for us as a investment bank, I think is unique angle is we've recently set up a strategic partnership with Gangels, which is a you know LGBTQ originated, at least it started that way, venture capital fund that's making a real impact in the double bottom line by you know, investing in great opportunities in the venture space uh, as an investor first, uh, but by bringing their network from the community, they're also delivering um, a change in the executive suites of the companies that they invest in. And so that's another opportunity for us to take a, a stand-up approach, which is we're doing something that is helping to move forward the agenda as opposed to just watching. But again, I start with empathy and then move to action. Jeff and Larry, thanks for bringing your whole selves to this personal conversation. There are a few things I took away from it. One, uh, the important leadership roles allies can take and the many opportunities uh, for everyone to embrace allies and foster that. Two, um, empowering voices and flexibility in what Macy's and Calendar are doing to foster authenticity in this context. And three, roles both companies are having across uh, the many stakeholders, suppliers, vendors, uh, employees as well. It was great having this conversation with you both. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.